Amen? A lot of good. A lot of good. Matthew chapter 7. I want to preach a message to you called this. Good news and the golden rule. Good news. If you're taking notes, no blanks. You just got to write it all down today. Good news and the golden rule. Okay? Because I don't know if you're like me, but the golden rule is great. But I don't know that I always live out the golden rule. Anybody honest in church today about being able to live out the golden rule, right? But listen to what Jesus says. Uh, remember, he's preaching, right? We've been in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, probably the greatest, not probably, it was the greatest sermon ever preached because Jesus preached it. And he's standing on a hillside speaking to a crowd that would have had religious folk and unreligious folk and all kinds of people sitting at his feet listening because what he was saying was different. And so we've been looking at that. And as we come here uh, to this text, we uh, might be surprised by a few things. But look at what he says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Ask... And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread or will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, if all that's true, therefore... Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is, some of your translations will say, this sums up the law and the prophets. This might surprise some of you as it did me this week as I dug in behind the the text a little bit to figure out what was going on in history at that time and all the things. I was, I'm just, can I just be honest with you? I was a little bit bummed. That the golden rule didn't originate in Jesus' sermon right here. There was actually like, there were versions of the golden rule in Buddhism, in Hinduism. There were versions of it that rabbis uh, of the time period, apart from Christ, were, were teaching. And I, I just, I was annoyed by that. Because, you know, you just want some of those feel-good stories where like, yeah, the world uses that all the time. You know where it came from? The Bible, right? Like, I couldn't do that this time. <laughs> but as I dug into that, there, there was just an amazing thing that surfaced from the fact that Jesus wasn't the first person to say it. But how many of you know that Jesus was the first person to say it in the right way? Yeah? Because as we ask for Christ to come and redeem our city, there's a critical framework in this text that has to govern and guide if he's going to be king and not us, right? Because that's really what 
we're after here in this Sermon on the Mount. Think about this with me. What do we ask for, right? Uh, he begins here, he says, ask and it will be given to you. What do we ask for? Just think about what he's saying. Ask and it will be given to you. What do we ask for? We ask for the things we want, don't we? We ask for the things we want. What do we seek? When you're seeking something, what, are, what, are you, what do you seek? We seek for things that we miss. We seek for things that we can't find. When something's missing, we go searching. And then what kind of doors do we knock on? We knock on doors that have been closed to us. We knock on doors that have separated us from where we think we want to be. We ask, we seek, we knock. I think when we read this text, we tend to not think about why we do those actions. Because this is a picture of life, isn't it? I think we're tempted to immediately run and say, okay, what do I want? What am I seeking? What what door do I want God to open for me? And I don't think Jesus is giving you a blank check here. I think what Jesus is pressing you into is to ask yourself, what am I asking for? What am I seeking? What door am I trying to open? And is it a good thing that God would give me if I got what I want? You see, because this is the picture of life, isn't it? Every single one of us goes through life searching. Even people who have nothing to do with the God of the Bible are doing those three things. We are always asking for what we want. We are always seeking what we think we want to find. And we are always knocking on doors that we think will open to us a world of happiness that is just out of reach. Jesus is giving us the picture of life. And if you bring it into context of what is happening in the New Testament as Jesus is walking on the earth, what we'll quickly realize is that sitting in front of Jesus, just like us, but on a much more beautiful hillside in great weather (laughs) and a much better preacher, They're doing what we're doing minus the masks. And he's telling them about themselves. Because if you start to think about who was sitting right in front of them, there were two types of lost people in front of him. Two types of lost people. And and honestly, I think that there probably is two types of lost people within the sound of my voice. Let me explain what I mean. The the two types of lost people that are described in the New Testament, um, it's necessary for us to think about. Because if you find yourself in one of these two groups, it's not a negative judgment on you. It's just an invitation to what is possible. It's an invitation to come to Jesus. And as he said in his own words when he walked on this earth, That if you will come to him, he is offering you life to the full. 
a fullness of joy that has been, as he just said, just out of reach. So Jesus is preaching this sermon to people just like you and just like me. So the first lost person the New Testament describes is the one who is without Jesus. This is what us church folk, if you're new to church, would normally refer to as people who are unsaved or unconverted or lost in a symbolic sense. Not necessarily in this life, but in life in general, lost. Every human being is searching for meaning and purpose. That, that scripture that Jesus is describing to us is all of us. We're, we're all searching for meaning and purpose. Think, think about all the ways and places we try to find it. We look forward in science. We look forward in a hobby. We look forward in a passion project. We look forward in our friends and our family and our work. And it's just the age-old question of what is the meaning of life? We're all asking that question. Even when you become a follower of Jesus, you're still asking that question. What is the purpose that God has for me? What is God's will for my life? That question just shifts in its phrase, but it's still the same question. Why am I here? I have to be here for more than just pleasing myself. I mean, there's just got to be more than that. And yet so many times we are caught and are guilty of knowing that there's more to life than my pleasure And yet we spend so much of our life seeking out our, what? Pleasure. Think about the absurdity of that. We know that there's more to this life than me. And yet I spend so much of my time trying to figure out what's going to bring me pleasure. And so Jesus is right here at the forefront of this asking and seeking and knocking and saying, I know you're doing that. But if you will ask and seek and knock in the right places, you will find the thing that you're looking for. What is the meaning of life? So for this unbeliever, Jesus appeals to this natural relationship between a father and his kids, a picture that we all understand. Even if we had a bad father growing up, we still know that he was a bad father because there's this picture of what a father is supposed to be and what we need a father to be. Because even in our broken world, even in the, as Jesus says here, even though you are evil, that we have this sin nature inside of us, even those of us who are evil, we, we understand when a father's not doing what he's supposed to. We understand when things are broken, this is a picture we get. Even a selfish father knows what it means to provide the basic needs for his children and more than that, good gifts. And we recognize that a father who does not meet that standard is evil. We understand that. In fact, Paul would write to Timothy when he was getting ready to pastor in 1 Timothy 5.8. It's going to be on the screen for you. It says this, he said this to Timothy, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith 
and is worse than an unbeliever. So Jesus is saying, it, it's, actually, it's worse for you to know the truth and to not follow it. Might, you might as well not even be a Christian at that point. Harsh words, dads. <laughs> Yikes. And, and that's set up there because what is he comparing it to? The father we have in heaven, isn't he? We in God the Father have a better Father, a more perfect Father. Look at what Jesus' brother James wrote in James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. He said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of what? Truth. So that we would be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Friend, if you're listening to me today and searching, asking and seeking and knocking on doors and searching for the meaning and the purpose of life, if you're tired of looking around at the shifting shadows of our culture that is being described here by Jesus 2,000 years ago, that still hits the button, hits the nail on the head today, 2,000 years ago. We're still looking around going, man, like our country is so divided right now. We're, we're a mess. Shifting shadows. Our Father in heaven does not change like the shifting shadows. If you're looking around today going, man, I don't know what to think right now. I want to invite you to come to God. To come to the God of the Bible, to come to Jesus Christ, that carpenter in Nazareth who came to this earth, who stepped out of the splendors of heaven and lived a perfect life for 33 years and died on a wooden Roman cross so that you today, right here, sitting with us as the people of God, could experience the miracle that is the church, that is the family of God, that you might be adopted into his family instantly as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It sounds too good to be true, but it's not because here's the reality. You're going to go through life asking, seeking, knocking for all the things you think are going to bring you satisfaction. None of them ever will. And that's offensive. We talk sometimes about the offensiveness of the gospel. The fact of the matter is, is not only is there nothing you can do to make yourself right. You have to surrender to a different king, a different Lord. And that is offensive to everybody in the 21st century United States of America. That you are not in control of your life and you never will be. But you know what? If you'll get beyond that offensiveness, you'll recognize that that is the best news that could ever be shared with you. That outside of you is one who is greater than you. And if you will open your heart... And receive the call that he is giving you right now. You will find life to the full. You'll find that thing that has been just outside of you. It's found in the way of Jesus. We call it shalom, peace, fullness. And it's only found in Jesus. If that's you today, let me just invite you to surrender to him. The Bible makes it so easy if you'll just confess with your mouth 
and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you'll be saved. If you just believe that Jesus is who he said he is, like that, things will be different. We'd love to help you with that if we can. There's a second lost person the New Testament describes too, though, that Jesus' ministry lays out for us. The second person is the person who is lost in their religion. Lost in their religion. There were two groups of people sitting in front of him. People amazed because they'd never heard anything like this before. And people who were really angry because they never heard anything like this before. They were seeing it from a different perspective. Jesus would later in Matthew 23 just go right at the heart of it and spend an entire chapter of the Bible talking about why these religious folks were wrong and lost. So if you want a full rendering, go read Matthew 23. But let me just give you a highlight. Verse 26, 27, and 28. Here's Jesus talking about these religious people. He says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may become clean. They were spending all of their time cleaning up the outside so you and I would think they were awesome. Talking to me. And then... Look what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Here it is. Those of you outside the church, this is the one. Hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness or sin. There's a whole second kind of lost person that the New Testament describes that most of us pay no no attention to. Those of us who have been around the church for a long time or those of us recently converted, we have this ever-present danger of cleaning everything up on the outside and being unconverted on the inside. We spend so much time cleaning up what other people can see and never spend time with the one who is on the inside who can actually make the changes that will affect us internally and produce change on the outside. To the religious unbeliever, to those of us who might be in this place where we're doing all the things but don't have any of the heart, Jesus would offer you the golden rule. Why is the way Jesus gives us the golden rule different than everybody else? If you were to look at the golden rule in all of those other places like Buddhism, Hinduism, the rabbis of the day, you would find that they're all written in the negative sense of the command. Whatever you don't want people to do to you, well, just don't do that to them. And it's going to help you. It's for you. Jesus reverses that, doesn't he? Do for others what you want them to do for you. That is a subtle linguistic difference. But it's a completely different philosophy. Because the motivation in your heart is completely different. Why do I treat others the way I want to be treated for their good, not for mine. Can I just tell you, I felt super convicted this past week. 
Because you know what most of us do who are religious, who have been doing this for a long time? We're serving other people for a pat on the back. We're serving other people so somebody will notice. So Fox 13 will put us on the news, (laughs) which is pretty cool. But what Jesus is calling for is an altogether different thing that comes from outside of you. You see, because the golden rule apart from Christ, apart from Jesus doing that work in you and through you, is it's just a word of law that you're not going to be able to fulfill. Think about it. That we would spend all of our time doing for others what we would want them to do for us, knowing that we'll never get that in return. It's a completely different offering. And so Jesus flips that and says, no, let's do for others, expecting nothing in return, because in Christ we have everything that we could ever need. Amen? When you're safe in the family, adopted forever, kids of the king, you can serve others needing nothing in return. Because you have all the love and assurance you need from your father who knows how to give good things to his kids. Come on, that has to encourage somebody in church today, doesn't it? Yeah. Amen. Ask, seek, knock, because your father in heaven will give good things to those who ask him. Amen. Let me pray for you. And Kevin's going to come. And just lead us in this moment of reflection about what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Father, you are good. You're worthy of our praise. As we think about the golden rule, as we think about asking and seeking and knocking, and searching for that meaning of life where we've all been in that boat. But for those of us who have found this life wanting, not delivering, and looked up to you for salvation, and we began to love God, it changes things. then you come in and you change us transform us to be more like you and this idea that I can live this golden rule in a completely different way serving others needing nothing in return because I have everything I need in you God I just know that there's somebody sitting here today or watching online that that is not experiencing the peace that passes all understanding the peace that comes only from you Shalom, life to the full, mature love. I just pray for that person that all the religious stuff would fall away. That all the lies that culture would say are going to bring satisfaction would fall away. And that, Jesus, you would be standing there. That like 
John, your best friend on earth, at the end of his life, you gave him a vision of heaven and he found himself weeping because we on our own could not get into relationship with you. And he was encouraged that he need not cry because the lion of the tribe of Judah was coming. But I love that text. And Holy Spirit, would you use it right now that as John looked up, he didn't see a lion, but he saw a lamb. Your lamb, Father, your son, Jesus, who takes away the sin of listening to me today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ if he's calling you to that right now and that's just a fancy way of saying if you feel that pull on your heart that pull on the inside that could be the spirit of God speaking to you I would encourage you to surrender to that you just talk to him say something similar to this there's no magic prayer it's just a confession that Jesus is Lord that we are not and that we believe that he is who he said he is that he is God who came in flesh as a humble baby died on a cross so that we could have life by rising again if you would say some version of that to him the Bible says that you will be saved that you'll be transformed in an instant Sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, brought and adopted into his family, no longer an orphan. And we celebrate that with you. We love you, Jesus. We're thankful. We pray all this in your precious name.